Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Alright, so I want to preach a message to you today called Eternally Driven. Eternally Driven. So it's still January, uh, you know, still the beginning of the year. Uh, the kids are going to go back to school. Awesome. And... <laughs> And uh, then there's peace in the house again, all right? So it's still early and it's, you know, I always find that January is a great time to set goals. Well, I don't know why, but it just is. You've closed off of one year, the beginning of a new year, and maybe you're not one of those people that likes to have a new year's resolution, but who cares? Let's just call it a goal. And not a new, it's not a new year's resolution. It's just a goal. And, and it's a good time to set those kinds of things up. And I would encourage you to plan out your next 12 months. And I'll tell you really quickly, just a couple of small goals that I have for myself. One is I want to leave work on time. Because I've discovered something, right? It doesn't matter how much I do, there's always more. And when I leave and come back in the morning, it's still there. And that seems to never end. So I I figure rather than just saying, I'm going to do that little bit more, I want to leave work on time and I want to get home and I want to see my kids before they have to get into bed. I think that that's a great one, right? Uh, That's Sure, get excited for me. Thank you. And then... And, and then the other thing that I, I, I want to do is I'm beginning to think about, um, and this is going to sound a little weird to some of you, but that's okay. We're Christians. We're comfortable with that. So, so I, I want to plan out what, how generous I'm going to be this year and what I'm going to do with my resources. And no one was better at this than, than, than a friend of our church. His name was Jason Van Haster. And uh, no one was better at this than him. And he's actually now uh, over in the UK. He was an elder here at Activate Church. He's now serving uh, in a role over in the UK. Now, I remember I caught up with him. It was the beginning of the year, many years ago. And I said to him, so tell me, mate, what are you excited about this year? He said, can I be honest? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm so excited about the offering that we're going to take up this year. I'm like, what? That is so weird, right? And and I'm looking at him and he's like, you are too, right? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course I'm excited. I'm the senior pastor of the church. I'm very excited about that. But no one was better at it than him. And he was just so excited. And I think that Jason had done something that a lot of people don't actually fully understand and get. He had actually considered what would happen if he was a generous person and the eternal ramifications of being generous into the house and into the kingdom of God. And so because of that, you think I'm making this up. I'm not making this up. He was excited six months out just thinking about how much he could give when it came to the offering that would take up at some point during the year. Just because he's excited because he believes in what he's sowing into. And I would encourage you to make a decision this year to begin to think about what you're going to sow into this year. And I want to tell you that there is one spanner that can get caught in the works. One spanner that if you don't pay attention to this, it will actually influence your decisions and it will direct how you actually decide how generous you going to be. And I want you to do something. I want you to please consider something. Or like the Mitsubishi ad says, please consider. That's my best Japanese accent, all right? But it was pretty good. Do you want it again? Please consider. Okay, all right. I want you to please consider something for me today. I want you to consider your life in the light of eternity. Yeah? I want you to consider your life in the light of eternity. Now, I know it's kind of hard to imagine, and it's kind of eternity. It's like, think of forever. 
All right, that's going to make your brain hurt. I've got just a little illustration that's just going to help us sort of consider that. I'm going to grab Russell because he's already got what I need. I'm going to grab Jackie right here, second row. Yep, there you go. You're going to help me too. You didn't know that. Surprise. That's the kind of surprises you don't want, but here you are. So come on, give her a hand. Right. So I just want you, if you could just hold this end and then, and then Russell, you just got to head all the way over to the other end. Doesn't Russell do a good job? Doesn't he do a good job? You look like a kitten. I'm not, yeah. All right. I want you to imagine something for just a minute. Imagine that this is your eternal dwelling, and this is where this fails. It would never end. All right. So this is where the illustration really lets us down today. But what I want you to think about is your life and, and, and eternity. Now, your life is probably, I don't know if you can see, is like this much of everything that happens. In fact, you know what James said? James says that your life is like a mist and it's like a vapor. That you hear one minute and you're gone the next. And we feel like, I remember when I was a kid growing up, do you know what I thought? I thought the distance between Christmas was outrageous, okay? Between Christmases, I got to wait a whole nother year to get more presents, right? This is what I th I'm thinking, right? But now this is what I've, uh, I've discovered is that Christmas is coming up and I'm like, again, I've got to buy more presents, you know? It's a totally different scenario, right? But your life is like this much. And here is the point that I want to make to you today. And you need to lean into this. And if you're a guest, particularly if you're not a Christian, what you do in this tiny little amount of your life is going to have ramifications for the rest of eternity. What you do in this tiny little moment, this vapor, this mist, what you do in this moment is gonna have ramifications for the rest of eternity. Now you're here for such a short time, I suggest to you that you spend it well. I suggest to you that you spend it well. You understand? Awesome, you guys can grab a seat. Come on, give me a hand one more time. Very challenging scenario. I wanna ask you a question. Are you making plans for your present reality or for your eternal future? It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? It's a good question to ask yourself. Are you making plans for your present reality or are you beginning to think you're about eternal, your eternal future? Too many people are making plans for planet Earth. Too many people are making plans for planet Earth. There is a great lie that 52% of the Australian population believe, and this is it, that there is no life after death, that there's nothing. And in fact, it makes sense that you can't plan for something you don't think exists. So we know that over half the population of Australia is not making plans for eternity. They're just thinking about planet Earth. Did you know of that 48% of Australians believe in heaven. But they believe, a vast majority of that, believe that the way that you get there is you just gotta be a really, really good person. And if you're a really, really good person, then when you get to heaven, God will say, see you and say, wow, you're a really, really good person. He'll welcome you in. And then people have all these different ideas about what happens when you get to heaven. All kinds of ideas. Like, first of all, when you get there, everyone wears white. 
There are no pants, just togas. That's it. Some of you are really disappointed about the fact that you don't have any musical talent or ability. You can't sing. Don't worry. In heaven, everyone sings, like all of the time. And you can play an instrument. It's probably a harp. All right? Now, where is heaven? It's in the clouds. And what do we do? We float around. Now, that is what people think heaven is. And personally, I, I'm thinking about that going, I don't really know if I want to do that for the rest of eternity. You know, well, guess what? I've got good news for you if you're like me, is that that is not what heaven is really like. But a huge percentage of our population believes it. This is the one that was more astounding to me. More Australian Christians believe in heaven than life after death. I know, I know. More people believe in heaven than life after death. So when you ask them, do you believe in heaven? They say, yeah. If you say, do you believe in life after death? They say, well, we're not really sure about that. And I'm like, do you understand what heaven is? That you know, when you go there, it's about life after death. This tells us how confused people really are. People are really confused. And here is the shocking thing to me that this reiterated to me that a lot of Christians are making earthly plans. So it's not just the people that don't think about eternity or the people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's the people that do have a relationship with Jesus that are only making earthly plans. Well, guess what? God's message is so much better than what we think it could be if that's what we think it is. God's message is essentially this life is short. And in this short little thing called life, you've got to make some decisions that are going to last you the rest of eternity. You've got to begin to think about that. He's, God's message is essentially, and I don't want to offend you, and it may, secretly I'm okay with that, but this is what it says. You're not good. Yeah, you're not good. You're not good because what standard do you judge good by? See, the standard for good is so high, it's unattainable for everybody in this room and including me. Not one of us can be good. In fact, if you think I'm just saying crazy stuff, Jesus said, he said, only the Father is good. So you've got to understand something. Like when you consider good, actually that might not be God's standard of good. And you need to consider that as well. And the good message of the gospel is that you don't need to be good. You can actually just put all of your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in Him, despite the fact that you're not meeting the standard required, you will gain access to heaven because Jesus has paid the penalty for your sins. So you never have to. We call that grace and it is outrageous. And that is the Christian message. That is God's message and that is the gospel. You know, I was reading in the Bible this week, just in my sort of daily reading, John chapter 17, and it's the high priestly prayer. And, and, and it's this prayer that Jesus prays uh, right before He's taken away to be crucified. And we get to read it. What a great insight to see what Jesus would pray to His heavenly Father about before He uh, is, is crucified on the cross. And He said this one line that really caught my attention. And He says, they, speaking of His disciples, are not of this world. His disciples are not of this world. That kind of blew me away. 
Because I'm thinking, well, they were born here. How could they not be of this world? That doesn't make sense. You know, how could they not be of this world? He says, no, 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 they're of another world. Something happens when you become a follower of Jesus is that you're no longer of this world. And it's almost as if your citizenship is transferred and you're no longer of planet earth. You're actually of heaven. Something happens. You're not of this world. You're of another world. You're of another place. And he's so clear about this. And so many times in scriptures, he says, there is a world to come. And then there's the world that you live in. He says, my disciples are not of the one that we live in. The Apostle Paul understood this and the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Timothy and, and Timothy uh, was his disciple and he was running this uh, big church and he wanted to write him a letter to help him to uh, understand what are the things that he should begin to put in place and what he needs to begin to speak to people about, much like I'm speaking to you now. And so Timothy reads this letter and we get a copy of that letter and this is what it says. It says, as for the rich in this present age, another translation says present world. Well, that's interesting. Like understanding that there is obviously another one. So as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Do you notice that the command that he gives is to the rich? You'll notice that he doesn't command the poor and he doesn't command everybody. He's selecting a very specific group of people, rich people. And he's selecting rich people because he understands something that happens to people when they become more wealthy is that their hope begins to migrate. When you're poor, if you've got nothing, you hope on God. As you can start to provide for yourself, you start to need God less in your life. Or so you might think, and Paul points this out. He says, hey, as for the rich in this present age, he says, command them to be rich in good works and to be generous. If you're a rich person, you need to be generous. And there's like a little asterisk in this. It's like not really there, but I'm going to put it in there. It's a little asterisk, like the terms and conditions for this passage to be even remotely applicable to you. See, for this passage to mean anything to you, to, you, to, to mean something to you, you've got to be rich, don't you? Don't you? Yeah. But see, if you're not rich, this doesn't apply to you, right? And here's my point. Nobody thinks they're rich. So then everybody reads this and says, hey, that's really good. Those rich people ought to pay attention to that. And the rich people reading it think it belongs to the people that are more wealthy than them. See, Paul actually taps into something, this enemy of generosity, which is that no one's rich, so no one has to do what that says. Do you know, statistically, the richer people become, the more wealthy they become, the less money they give away. The richer people become, the less money that they give away. Now, let me just understand, help you to understand something about generosity. Generosity is not an amount. It's a percentage. 
If my kids give me a, a, a gift and it costs them 20 bucks, you know, my son Isaac, he's getting pocket money this year. He gets five bucks a week, you know, when he keeps his room tidy, so I'll probably never have to pay him anyway. But, you know, <laughs> if that happens and he buys me something that costs him 20 bucks, that's generous because he just gave me a month's worth of his salary. And that's generous for him. It's a huge percentage of what he has in the year. But if I have lunch with a millionaire and they buy me lunch out one day, it's not the same thing. It's because generosity is about the percentage that he gives away. And this is what the statistics and the facts tell us. The richer people become, the smaller the percentage gets for what they give away. Why is that? Doesn't that seem kind of odd to you? I wanna tell you about one myth of generosity just one myth of generosity, that generosity is spontaneous, that you're rich all the time. You go out with people for lunch and you're like, I got it, make it rain. And you're just like, I can pay for everyone to have lunch today. And I just decided that in the moment. That's actually not generosity. Generosity is not making a spontaneous decision to give away your money. No, no. Generosity is something far different to that. Generosity is strategic, it's purposeful, it's intentional. You're thinking about what you're going to give into what? You're thinking about how much you're gonna sow into this and how much you're gonna sow into that. To be a generous person, you need to be strategic. Now I'll tell you something right now. Uh, I think my dad is one of the most generous people that I know. Percentage-wise, he is very generous with what he has. But when we were kids growing up, sometimes we would go out publicly somewhere. Like it could be anywhere, like the football, or we'd just go out somewhere. And then, you know, my dad would say, all right, who's hungry? And we're like, yeah, 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 we're hungry. He's like, great, I bought sandwiches. <laughs> How disappointing is that? And then he's got sandwiches and apples and all the rest of it. Now I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my family and we got sandwiches and I'm looking at this other family, they're eating hot chips. And I'm thinking about making a trade. I just, I'll just see you guys later. I'm just gonna be with this family for tonight. It's like, give me some of your hot chips, you know? And then I can get back to this later on. But my dad, this is what he was like. We took rolls to the snow. Do you know what happens to a roll in the snow? It's like a rock, you know? It's like actually what would happen, he goes, all right, everybody, there's your rolls and here's your chisel as you chew on your rock, you know? But my dad, my dad, you know, all of his life, I hope you don't mind me saying this because I'm pretty deep now. My dad, every day of his life, he takes sandwiches to work. And he doesn't spend exorbitant amounts of money on coffee or lunches. And he's in a position now to be strategically generous because he's planned his life out. And now he's in a position to be able to do it. And you see, to be a generous person doesn't mean you're spending money all the time and you've got plenty to give away. It's strategic, it's purposeful, it's intentional. You begin to think about it. And I think that Jesus, man, Jesus, he was so good at this. In fact, Jesus gives us what I would probably consider to be the greatest insider trading advice that you've ever heard in your life. He said this, he said, store treasure in heaven where moths and rust won't erode it and destroy it. He said, and you know, this is the thing, you gotta think about this. He said it to people that were on earth. Go with me for a minute. He is saying that it is possible for you to begin from earth to store treasure in heaven. Does that make sense to you? 
He said it to people on earth. If he thought they couldn't do it, he just never would have said anything. But he says, no, 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 no. Hang on, listen to this. Store your treasure in heaven right now. And then he gives you this pro tip at the end and he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The reason he says that is because people don't really know what has their heart until they look at what they spend their money on. You know who does know what's got your heart? Like, I don't know what has your heart, but I know somebody that could tell me. You think I'm going to say God. It's your accountant. And if I had a quick meeting with him and I say, hey, what does this person really care about? We could probably go through your statement and say, oh yeah, they really care about the following things. They, they obviously sow a lot into this. In fact, I remember many years ago before I was even working at church, uh, I, I asked a friend of mine who I worked with, I said, could you uh, just do my accounting for the year or whatever? And if you could just do my tax return, that'd be great. He said, no problem. And so I gave it to him. Next week we catch up and he looks at me and he says to me, hey, I need to sit down. I need to talk to you about something. I said, yeah. He said, I've seen this large amount of money that keeps going into something. Uh, uh, wh where is that money going? I said, oh, that's what I give to the church. Now, percentage-wise, he's looking at what I earned for the year and he's looking at how much I actually give to the church and he's looking at me and he thinks I have serious problems. In fact, at this moment, he, he thinks I'm in a cult, like I'm caught up, like something crazy is going on and I'm trying to explain to him the, the biblical principles of tithing and giving and, and, and I said to him, no, 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 no. I said, I, I, I give this amount and I'm happy to do it. And then he asked me this question that I thought was really funny and it's exactly the kind of question that somebody that doesn't believe in God would ask and he said, can you get away with not giving it? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, does anybody have to know? And I'm, I looked at him and I realized, of course, that he doesn't believe in God. So of course he'd say that. And I said to him, well, no, because, you know, I'm given to God, like God would know, right? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get that. You know, I see what you're saying, right? Because he doesn't actually understand that God sees everything that we give away. And I began to think about this and I thought, you know, why would I want to give anything away? Why would I want to get away with it? If I believe what Jesus says, he says, it's the best place to invest my money, the best place to invest my money. So of course, I don't wanna skip out on that. And this is what I wanna encourage you guys to do this year. Use your temporary wealth for an eternal purpose. Use your temporary wealth for an eternal purpose. Now, I'm not gonna, you don't have to say this, right? But if you think this is true for you, just repeat after me, all right? I will use my temporary wealth for an eternal purpose. I will use my temporary wealth for an eternal purpose. We gotta begin to think about what's happening in the light of eternity. We gotta begin to think about what we're sowing into. We gotta think about what ends on planet Earth and what continues into eternity and forever. You know, I was sitting in my prayer chair this week and I'm just sort of looking out the window and I have this moment with God where the Holy Spirit just speaks to me. And He just, you know how the Holy Spirit often just reminds you of something you already know is true, but it kind of reiterates the point to you? That's what happened to me. And I'm sitting in my chair and He says, you know, everything, all of this, you know, church and, and, and your money and everything that you've got, it's, it's all for Jesus. I said, my life is for Jesus. My money, it's for Jesus. He can have it, you know my time. Do you want my time? It's for you, Jesus. 
God, you've given me whatever skills you've given me, I'm, I'm gonna give them to you. They're for you, Jesus. Whatever I have, I'm gonna give it to you. And I think that if we could live with what the Holy Spirit said to me in the forefront, not the background, but the forefront of our minds every single day, then we would become eternally driven people. Eternally driven people. And I believe that what God is looking for is a church that's eternally driven that thinks about everything that's happening now, is not making plans for just planet Earth and is going way above and beyond that, thinking of the future that we've got after we leave this Earth. And I just wanna finish this message today by telling you three things that happen if you plan your wealth with an eternal purpose. Number one is this, if, if you plan your wealth and if your wealth has an eternal purpose, you'll have more joy today. You'll have more joy today. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it just sounds like a phrase, but I tell you right, we had Christmas this year. I'll tell you my Christmas highlight. My wife went and she bought a scooter for my daughter, Eliana, who's two. It's hot pink. And when it rolls, the wheels light up. When she saw that, she screamed. Long. You know, and, and, and I just looked at it to the point where I, w I was thinking maybe something stung her. I don't know. Like, she's really screaming here. I'm like, are you okay? She was just elated, right? And, and, and then we got a bike seat, you know, to sit on the back of my bike so that when we go bike riding, she can come with me. And so she saw the bike seat sitting on the, on the bike, right? And, and she knew what it was for. And when she saw, saw that, she screamed, right? all over again. Now, I can't even remember. I can't remember all the Christmas presents and everything, but my highlight was seeing the effect of what happened when we gave her that gift. Do you know what church is no different? Do you know when you sow into the kingdom, it's no different? When you see somebody commit their life to Jesus, but the church exists because people have built it and sewed in foundations and built new rooms so that we can accommodate more people. And you see people giving, young people, teenagers giving their lives to Jesus and just being so excited about having this new life with Him. That makes my heart glad. And I get more joy in that moment. I'm not even, I can't even remember what I gave. I'm thinking, I'm so glad I did. So one of the things that happens if your wealth has an eternal purpose is that you get more joy today. The other thing that happens if your wealth has an eternal purpose, you have more resource tomorrow. If I believe what the Bible says, you have more resource tomorrow. So I've just got like a, a little, another, another illustration just to help you un unpack that. And I need a volunteer, Josh. I already picked on Jackie. You know, you're engaged, so that I pick on you. Come on. Here we go. All right, so let me just make sure this thing works. Nah, it's not good enough. Oh, there we go. All right. I'm thinking about it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this, and uh, I've filled it. I'm going to give you five seconds to spray pretty much whatever you want with the exception of all the electrical equipment that's on this platform right now, right? You can spray all these people, I don't care. I mean, you're gonna have to deal with it later, but not me, so I don't care. So, so you can use that, whatever you want. If you want to, you can squirt me, all right? You can squirt 
whoever you want, just don't hit the mic, right? You can squirt, whatever you want, but you only got five seconds to spend it. You got it? All right, you got five seconds. I'm going to say now, and then you guys are going to count him down from five to zero. You got it? Does everybody understand what we're doing here? All right, you're with me. All right. Are you ready for this? All right. All right, so here we go. Your time, and when I say now, you start at five, all right? All right. Your time starts now. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on. No, 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 no. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Give him a hand. Come on. Man, that was, that was awesome. Just reminded me of another scripture. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured against you. Pressed down, shaken together. And if I do this right and I want to be biblical, it's got to be, it's got to be poured into your lap. And uh, I want to... I want to be biblical right now. Is that all right? All right, here we go. No, I'm not going to do it. Come on. Come on, give him a hand. What? What's my point? Your life is so short. You only have a short time to spend what you have. If you hold on to it, God's not going to sow more into you. You see, something else that Jesus said, is, that the Bible teaches, sorry, is that it says, if you sow sparingly, then you'll reap sparingly. If you want God to begin to sow into you, you've got to begin to sow. But there's a, there's a clause with this. You've got to sow into kingdom priorities. Listen to this next scripture. This is the last one. I'm going to finish up real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 10 to 11 says this. He who supplies seed to the sower, that's talking about God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Because I like to read, I looked up what that that meant. It is talking about money. It's talking about supplying resource and the harvest of righteousness is directly referring to people giving their lives to Jesus because people are sowing into the kingdom. He says, you will be enriched in every way by God to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. People that give their lives to God have thanksgiving overflowing in their hearts because we were enriched to be generous, to sow into kingdom priorities, and kingdom focuses so that people can give their hearts and their lives to Jesus. I think this is what the church stands for. This is the message that we can bring to the world, a message of hope, a message that this life is not all there is. And so I want you to think, I want you to think this year about how you plan to be generous. Because if you do, God's gonna keep supplying you so that you can keep building the things that He loves. Does that make sense? All right, last one, and this is it. If you or your wealth has an eternal purpose, you have more of everything in eternity. He says, you will lose what you sow in this world, but what you sow into the kingdom of God is stored in heaven and it exists forever. When it comes to making an investment, This little thing here called your life, spend it wisely. Think about the eternal purpose and ramifications because everything you do in this little moment, this breath, this mist, this vapor, 
has an eternal ramification that plays out for the, for the rest of life. In a in, in hundred million years, what you did today matters. In a hundred, in two billion years, what you did, it's almost impossible to think about, isn't it? But in two billion years time, what you did with your life will play out in eternity. I think that that's worth thinking about. 2017 can be directed so many ways for you. You can direct your time. You can direct your talent. My encouragement to you is to direct your treasure. Direct your wealth to an eternal purpose, to the things that God loves. Use temporary wealth for eternal purposes. Use temporary wealth for eternal purposes. You with me? All right, here's what I wanna do. Just stay seated for just a minute. If you're here today and with no genuinely, with no coercion, nothing, if this message speaks to you and you say, I wanna use not just my wealth, but everything I have to serve God this year, just one time, raise your hand and I will pray that God comes and speaks with you and gives you the systems, the strategy, the people around you to make that a reality. Father, for everybody with their hands raised in this room right now, who says in their heart, God, what I have, I give to you. Whether it's my time or my talent or my treasure, whatever it is, I give it to you. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their experience. Help them to know which way to go. Put the right people around them. Help them to ask the bigger questions in life. Help them to understand how to use budgets and everything that they need to do so that they can be strategically generous, to be intentional and to be focused on your kingdom. I pray that for everybody with hands raised, that they would be so focused on your kingdom this year. And I pray that there would be ramifications that would play out in eternity because of the generosity of their hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.